0: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going.
1: Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered.
0: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash
2: style. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week, I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. over four years into the podcast and i still smile every time i hear that Jen, firstly as ever a big shout out to our patreon supporters without whom we would not be able to produce this podcast and if you think you'd like to support the podcast then head over to our patreon page or go over to the ministry of arts instagram profile you'll see a link tree drop down box that will direct you straight to the patreon page And you can support us for as little as £3 a month, which is pretty much a cup of coffee. And if not, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. Well, today I'm taking you to meet Steve Lowe. Steve is the head honcho over at L13. Yeah, L13 to me are a whole different part of the art world along with others like Kennard Phillips, Flying Leaps, and several other groups, organisations, or individuals, that are just different. They're non-conformists, adjutants to authority, or whatever you'd like to call them. Many want to make a statement, or try to make a statement, but people like these that I've just mentioned, they don't want to make a statement. They've got a fucking manifesto. And we've previously spoke to Kennard Phillips, We're about to speak to L13 and aid from Flying Leaps, agreed to come on some time ago and I've just got opinion down. But anyway, back to Steve Lowe and L13. I don't think anyone can describe L13 as good as L13 does itself. It's a private ladies and gentlemen's club for art, leisure and the disruptive betterment of culture. They state that they are not a gallery, a publisher, nor do they represent artists and they are most definitely not an art collective. The key artists currently active with L13 are Harry Adams, Jimmy Courtie, Billy Childish and Jamie Reid all of whom I'm sure the authorities would describe as a disruptive pain in the arse <laughs> rightly so. Well just a short while ago I was invited down to the L13 bunker and I had a pile of questions to ask Steve so we sat down over a cup of tea, press recalled, and I asked away. And because this episode turned out to be just under an hour and a half, I've decided to cut it into two and divide them over a couple of days. Although, if you're a Patreon supporter, shoot over to our Patreon page; that'll be sitting there waiting for you. So please come and join me down in the L13 bunker, speaking to Steve Lowe. You know,
3: until sometimes to the early hours of the morning. Yeah um and I work with Adam you know so i cl- work in collaboration with Adam so you know so all these are our paintings we, th- that used to I me mean, it used to be much more toxic down here
2: you <laughs> what, know, the environment yeah yeah <laughs> exactly, yeah in every single way
3: but yeah but you know cuz we were doing oil paintings and also using uh, uh beeswax and caustic so well. you know if it's uh that, you know, so you, you knew you knew where you were when you yeah, walked through yeah. the door. So we keep on talking about getting back to painting. and Hopefully we'll we'll make it this year. So it's, uh, well, I mean the, the first that we are actually launching something on Tuesday. We'll probably make an announcement tomorrow, giving the details. But it's a, it's an exhibition. Me and Adam. Of we when we started out. Uh, well, actually I met Adam at art college. And it was, we went to the Barmshaw School of Art, which is now part of Central St. Martin. Yeah. Back then it was an independent. And uh, we actually st- we started working together because he wanted to start a band. And he was involved in the student union. And uh, and we started this band together and we scared everybody off because, you know, we were just into making noise. And uh, <laughs> so we started doing these performances, uh, well, performances working this, we described it as I'd without the tunes <laughs> you know just like and just creating a, a lot of mayhem we were yeah. really, we'd get up really early in the morning to go there to, to, to work in the basement and make this horrific noise that we got into to trouble various times over doing you know it's like we'd use, we'd mic everything up and we'd, use, we'd, we'd manage to break the goods lift by, yeah. by short circuiting <laughs> everything so we'd have the doors open, we had speakers in the shaft um so yeah so that's where i met adam then then we were in bands i I ended up going to uh to belfast doing ma but left about a month before the end um and it's partly because i kept on coming back to to london to to rehearse for this band that we were starting and uh and i was trying to tell them well, can't the band be part of my ma and they weren't having any of it you know it's like you know that's different from from visual art um so and you know so in the end I I I, just, I can't you know I don't want to do the final final. Did you show. regret that afterwards or not? No, I've ne- never. The only time I regret it was when my my ex-wife she uh, she was a jeweler and she went back to college and got because she never did a degree so she up finished her degree she got a degree and then she went straight on to do an MA yeah. and then got an MA. And that was the only time I thought, <laughs> hang on, I want an M. I could have had an M.A., but, yeah, but you no. Stole I mean, you stole my phone. it's a bit like my school um, qualif- I actually did quite well with O-levels, sort of decided I was going to be an artist, so I didn't really bother that much with yeah, A-levels, but yeah. I've never shown anybody my qualifications ever. So, I don't even remember getting mine from school. Yeah, you know, so I, and it's, I think, in this line of work, it's just, even when I did my MA, I turned up the portfolio, they never asked us, they never checked to see, yeah. you know, what my paper qualifications were. Yeah, I know a few uh, years
2: ago, the galleries were recommending that artists do a B, uh, an MA. Yeah. If they hadn't got one, they yeah. wanted it as part of their portfolio, if you like. Yeah, I
3: mean, I think it just, you know, it's like a CV, th- it's like it, that idea that you're somehow more qualified, but, you know, as Billy probably said, I've I always found that my experience at art college was I really liked it because you were just with a few like-minded yeah. people. I was actually shocked how few like-minded people there were. But, you know, just meeting somebody like Adam and we were able to do stuff that we wanted to do in a way yeah. that we wanted to do it. And, you know, and it was, we had a lot of freedom um, to do that. But, you know, in terms of them
2: teaching you anything, it's, 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 that's highly questionable.
3: And how was the
2: band... Was it worth leaving uni for at the time? Well, at the yeah. time it was.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, when I when I left, I I think I even said to it was uh, Alison McLennan who was the the uh, head of course, and I said, and he he gave me a bit of an ultimatum. He said, stay in Belfast and you know do some work, and you know, and I said, yeah, actually, I think I'll I'll, I'll leave. And then they spent four years trying to get me to go back because I had the only English grant. There were kids there from from Scotland, oh, Ireland, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and I got the only grant. From that England gave to go there. And uh, so they couldn't be seen to have wasted that. So they they were trying to get me to go back and do... For four years, they kept asking me to go and do the final show. So just do the final show and you'll you'll get your MA. And I always refused. And the reason I refused was because I didn't want to end up being an art tutor. And I knew that if I got that qualification, I'd be able to go and get a job as an art tutor, which would be really well paid in comparison to anything else I could get. And the idea of being an art tutor pulled me so much. I would rather I would rather <laughs> not starve take the chance not yeah. take the chance to be tempted. So superb. Um, and I did so and I said to, to Alison Alice McClellan, so, you know, I'm, I'm leaving because I, I I hate art and I hate all artists. So I really don't you know, I don't want anything <laughs> to do with it anymore. Yeah. Which is really weird because since since I was probably about fourteen, all I'd wanted to do was be an artist. Yeah. But at the time I think it was just more into music. With, with music, you can get on stage, and even if you're playing to, to 20 people, two people, they're so much more engaged yeah. with what you're doing. We did our mid, mid-year, mid-term show at, uh, at, in Belfast, and, you know, so we all, you know, you know, presented our work, and we did an exhibition, and, you know, about half a dozen people turned up, and, and they, you know, nobody's weird, re- nobody yeah. cares. Yeah. And whereas, you know, you go and play a gig, and people are engaged. Yeah. And, you know, well, I thought this was much more, you know,
2: something that I can can relate to. Well, that's the thing with any exhibition. You've got the opening night, which is the big night, and then we walk away from it as an artist mm. and just hope that other people go in before it gets yeah. taken down again. Yeah. Now,
3: you know, working back in art, I still find it weird. I've, I'm trying to always gauge what it is that people are interested in, in what we do, and, and how interesting I because there's... It's so complicated with the people. To, you know, the number of people. So I only like what I like. You know, I'm not interested in investment. Yeah. I'm not interested in what it's worth. But they are. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And you know, and you know, so I, and that doesn't exist in 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 the music. I mean, obviously, if you're collecting records now, you know, it's like you know, some of those are becoming worth a bit of money. But yeah. in terms of going to gigs, you're you're having a proper engagement with that artist. Yeah. Making, the, you know, doing what they do. And all of that had so so much of a big impact on me than anything in the art world. Yeah, and you know, I'd, you know, so, I, and I, you know, I suppose when I was younger, I had more romantic ideal of what it would mean to be an artist. And I love creativity, but the art world is still a, a mystery to me. I just don't really. And
2: in all that time, has it become more of a mystery, or have you got the just? I suppose just as you think you've got the hang of it. Something um... the, the the
3: only difference now between when I was younger when I decided that I didn't want to be involved with in the art world and 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 now is that I don't care anymore. <laughs> <You> <laughs> but that's, that, is that I, an age thing now? I think it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're young and you want to change the world or you want to do something which you know is gonna you know have impact. Yeah. You know, it 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 wasn't the medium for me, and I'm still very suspicious of why people are interested. Right. In art. You know, it still seems to me that anybody actually involved in it has a uh, a vested interest so if you go to private view you'll find a lot of other artists there I mean it'd be like going to a gig and it all being musicians yeah yeah. you know it doesn't happen you know it's uh, or art dealers or people trying to get in on something particularly if it's successful you know if it's on if it's unsuccessful it's why is it you go to a private view I try not to oh there you go yeah so I you know the only ones I will go to tend to be when they are a friend or or somebody I know or or one of Billy's you know so yeah. and, I like the
2: way that, that you put Billy in a separate category from friends or someone you know <laughs> well yeah <laughs> yeah but if, 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 I wasn't,
3: if I wasn't working with Billy yeah. then and he was my mate then yeah, yeah. well actually I might not you know it be uh, yeah actually I'd probably go to his opening <laughs> VR today. but it is yeah I but I don't you know I'd never you know I'm a little bit shy and socially awkward anyway so the idea
2: I was never into networking yeah um and couldn't do I that find that it, difficult, yeah, although I, everyone is, presumes that I find it easy because yeah. I sort of work my way in everywhere by just asking because yeah. most of the time people don't like to ask, but I'm okay with that, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's, it seems to work okay. But the Steve Lowe of today, the, the question that I have that I ask each artist mm-hmm. is how would you describe what you do to someone that may not know you or your work? With great confusion. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, actually, it was uh, Jay J- 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 J-
3: Marie who um, first called me an artist and I told him to fuck off. <laughs>
2: when was that? <laughs> that would
3: have been about 2004. God, yeah. um, and uh And I remember being in a cab once and them saying, uh, you know, what is it you do? And I said, I'm an artist, and I felt like such a twat. <laughs> you know, and so I, people ask me now, I tend to say I'm a... Uh, a, mostly a publisher, but I also make art and I work with other artists. Yeah. And uh, and then if they say, "What do you mean?" I say, well, I run a place called the L thirteen Light Industrial Workshop and private ladies, and gentlemen's kind <laughs> of art leisure and the disruptive betterment of culture. Beautiful. And through that, we publish books, we publish prints, we organise exhibitions, uh, we do. Some fairly major projects, you know, we've toured, you know, kind of Jimmy Cortez uh, containers around the world. Yeah. yeah um, and, but mostly, I like working with, with creative people and I like making things. So, really, that's what I do. I work with creative people and I
2: make things. And have you always wanted a very tight group of creative people? Because you, you, you only work with M3 mainly. Yeah, yeah.
3: So when I first started, uh, and accidentally ended up with a gallery, which I didn't want to be <laughs> a gallery. And and what it was I was I was um dealing in rare books. While I was in a band making no money. So I started off working in the second hand bookshop, ended up dealing in rare books, and then ended up with a shop just near Euston. And then I started collecting more visual type stuff and I was really into any counterculture stuff yeah. and punk so I ended up with some posts and I thought, well, what I should do is start a bit of a gallery area to show some of this more visual stuff, and then, then In that slippery then that, slope that kind, <laughs> Then that kind of took over from the books, and and then, I made the mistake of inviting Billy Childish to have an exhibition. So Billy, I called my first artist. It's like yeah. having your first first kid, um, and uh, and then quite soon after that, we did a, an exhibition to of art against. The, it was during the time of the Iraq War. And my business partner at the time was the press secretary for the Stop War Coalition. And uh, a group of them managed to do this, uh, organise an exhibition of art against war, which included people like Banksy, Ralph Stedman, yeah. uh, Anthony Caro, David Hamilton. You know, it was like really, you know, quite a big thing. Um, and also Jamie Reed and Jimmy Courty. Yeah. Um, they gave work to sh- showing the and that's how I met them. Um, and it's also how we started doing the printing stuff because I made a box set for that to raise money for the Stop the War Coalition, um, which now is very collectible because it's got a Banksy in it. Super. Um, and uh, th- that took up several months of my life because all I had at the time was a, a desktop uh, printer, and I did <laughs> an inkjet <laughs> printer. And it was this little box with 30 prints in each box, and 100 boxes that's three wow. prints and i was printing onto paper that you're not supposed to put through <laughs> a print you know cardboard and and you know so each each one had to be individually yeah. fed through so for every night I was there late kind Brilliant. of put, putting these things through and that and our share of that um fundraiser thing gave us enough money to buy a large format inkjet printer yeah. which and then i uh Asked Jamie if he'd like to do an exhibition, do some prints, and likewise with Jimmy. Jimmy had just been banned from doing the Queen stamps, and I said, "Well, why? Why did you agree to stop doing those? It's ridiculous." But he, the trouble is, he went to a, a a lawyer, and the lawyer told him that he should should uh, do what they say. And I said, "Well, don't listen to lawyers." Yeah. You know. So I, and so, we, the, my pr- first project with Jimmy was trying to work out how to do uh, copyright free um, stamps of mass destruction with the Queen in a gas mask. Yeah. The Stamps. Um, and once I'd started working with Jimmy, Jamie and Billy, I thought, actually, you know, why would I want anything yeah. else? And I thought, and to, to my mind, I thought it should be more like an agency. And I yeah. said, well, you know, rather than being a gallery, which I don't want to be, where you just have lots of new artists coming and going the whole time and running programmes of exhibitions, why not just work with um, a small number of artists and help develop what they do, and we worked together to, because to, I always wanted to be a making place as well as a display place. I was really into helping them make things. Yeah. Um, so with Billy's first show, we, you know, we did a little kind of poetry book, we made a box set, of, you know, with a, with a hangman gallows painted on it with a record in it, you know, and, and a photograph. And we did little prints. Uh, so it was all very, very proactive. Which Billy also really liked because, yeah. you know, it's like rather than just giving some painting and showing, you know, selling a few than hanging yeah. back, it was actually more of a
2: relationship. Because that's three properly powerful names and figures you've got. Yeah. And personalities, even.
3: Yes. And at, at the time, look, like, so with Billy, even though he was my first artist, when I asked him to do an exhibition, I'd never seen a single one of his paintings. Oh, really? And <laughs> I wasn't interested in his painting. At that point, I was still anti art. Yeah. But I was familiar with his music and his and his um, and his poetry, so I'd come across his written stuff as yeah. a book dealer. We used to record at Torag Studios, where he'd, you know, there was a whole scene, you know, kind of like so yeah. it's it's garage. You've you know, bought kind of into sort of. the personality. Well, yeah, or I was interested in their position as, uh, or particularly with Billy to begin with. It was like he's an, an interesting character on the margins of mainstream culture. I like the music, and I like the. Uh, Actually, it's not even that I like the music or like the poetry. I like the attitude yeah. of the music and the, and the poetry. Yeah. And then uh, somebody said, oh, you know, he paints as well. So, yeah, well, I don't care. <laughs> um, and then I saw some of his paintings. My mum used to paint. I thought, oh, they, they look a bit like my mum's paintings. Yeah. You know, they're quite expressionistic. And I said, yeah. I did in, in doing the prints, making the little book and the box set. And, you know, I, you know, I really like Billy. Somebody at the time, he was involved in the music industry. He said, don't work with Billy Childs, He's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and uh, and but I was found, like, really, really depends, charming, really engaging. It depends engaging. how capable you are of handling a nightmare. Well, yeah. And, and if you I, can, I, then it's fine. And also, I think he's only a nightmare if you want him to do what you want to do. Yeah. But I was just quite happy for him to, I, you know... I wasn't going to tell him, but I, you know, I'm not interested in your paintings. So, oh, yeah, great. You do paintings. Fine. It <laughs> yeah. D- doesn't bother me. You know, So I, and, you know, I quite like that one, quite like that one. You know, I wouldn't mind having that on my wall. And uh, it was that simple for me. Yeah. And But mostly I really liked his attitude towards... And have you got any of these on your wall? I, oh. I've i just moved into a new house and I've got... I've got. Actually, I've got one above my desk. Oh, there uh, you One go. of my fav- favourite paintings that he gave me. As a, as a birthday present. Now, at home, things haven't gone up on the wall yet, but they're propped up. <laughs> well, my, my partner, Marty, she keeps on saying, well, we, we should have a Harry Adams yeah. on the wall. And, uh, and I keep on saying, yeah, we should, we
2: should. And I never... <laughs> so. Well, we've, we've spoke about Jimmy, Jamie and Billy mm-hmm. and Harry Adams. Mm-hmm. Who is Harry Adams and how did Harry Adams come about?
3: OK, so H- Harry Adams is a, is the name that I make paintings under. Uh, and I work in collaboration with my friend who I met at art college, Adam Wood. And uh, we were in bands together for years. So I went for about 15 years without being involved in art at all, not going to galleries. did You know, just completely not interested. Um, and uh, during that time, we, were, we, we made music together. And then when I started working with other artists, it, it was actually... Watching Billy, I'd sometimes go to Billy's studio. He had his studio at his mum's house at the time in Whitstable, and occasionally I'd end up there, and he'd make me sit and watch him do a painting. <laughs> and uh, and I thought, and I was watching him do it. I said, actually, because I, I when I started art college, I went in as a painter. Yeah. I ended up coming out doing kind of more sound-based stuff and uh, and installation, you know, orientated. And I and actually at the time, I loved making books, made artist books. And, and I was really into the idea of multiples you know and the idea of you know kind of a democratic art that you, know, you can yeah, make yeah, lots yeah. of things um, and uh, but then when I finished art college that was it wasn't interested anymore and I was in bands and I met Adam at art college and we collaborated on noise performances and then when I started working with other artists and thought oh, actually it'd be quite good to make a do a bit of art again and uh, me and Adam had recorded a, um, a uh, an album of of music under the name of, of the band at the time was called stot 21st c e plan b <laughs> <Yeah>. um <clears throat> it's a really like awkward long it's any long titles did it stand for uh, it's st- st- it doesn't really help you to know what it's different it was uh, scorpion thunderbolt of the 21st century plan b perfect um and uh so he did this this album and I thought well look i've got this gallery space now why, why instead of doing gigs because we we described ourselves as a zero ambition rock band well Noise, noise band at the time. So we weren't interested in doing regular gigs or anything anymore because we'd been doing it for years and getting nowhere. So we were just doing it for pure pleasure. And uh, so I we so we thought, well, let's do an exhibition to launch it. So we did, and we decided we'd have the exhibition. would open on my birthday, the 19th of July, and close on Adam's birthday on the 26th of July. <laughs> and we made all of the work on site in the gallery. We, we even painted on the walls. We kind of Brilliant. just made a real mess. And it was all kind of around the ideas in this, 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 uh, this, this LP that we'd recorded. And then after that, we got, kind of got the bug of, you know, kind of making stuff yeah, again. Yeah. We were still carried on recording for a bit, but eventually the visual art overtook the, the recording. And at that, that time, we went under the name of um, Stot 21st C Plan B, and the work was very kind of uh, uh, puerile, and a lot of humour, a lot of dark humour, yeah. a lot of, it was very anti-art, you know, you know, we'd make stuff, we were just taking the piss basically and enjoying us.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing.
1: Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. A get 30, 30, get 30, a get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine.
3: Well, we'd do these exhibitions, we'd always do very well, oh, okay. because cause we'd sell work for about three quid. We would make, do lots of <laughs> paint, you know. We thought we'd well, we'll make yeah. it so cheap that they cannot... They not, not buy not, it, yeah. We, we did the uh, London Art Fair one time, we, we had a, a limited, signed limited edition print for 25p. Brilliant. The, the year before, we'd, I'd done an exhibition with uh, Jimmy and, and uh, Billy, we were always in the arts projects section. I don't, really don't like art fairs, but for some reason I do because I thought, well, we, we could do art projects, make yeah. it a bit more interesting. So the first one was Billy Chardish versus Jimmy Courtie. So <laughs> and up to that, I'd kept them apart. I thought <laughs> so I don't want the artists getting together and ga- and ganging up yeah, on me. So yeah. and I thought, well, I'll do this because I thought, well, the, the work is quite different. It'd be quite interesting doing yeah. an exhibition of Billy's paintings and poetry and and You're doing like his line, yeah, and, uh, and for that, we did. Uh, Jimmy was making uh, postage stamps at the time, so we did a stamp, and, and we got on the BBC News because it was the cheapest art in the art fair, Excellent. and it was fifty p for a for a postage stamp. Oh, so so Wouldn't the following I thought we can now. do better than that. We can do it twenty five p for a signed limited edition print, Brilliant. Um, which actually relates to because me and Adam have reformed as SGOT Twenty First e Plan yeah. B, uh, which is the thing we're launching on Tuesday. We're doing an exhibition, which is going to be it's going to be at the Black Cube Gallery which is on Fish Island, which is where we used to record our stuff. There's a recording studio there, and, and Adam took loads of photos of the area before it. Fish Island is just by Hackney Wick, yeah. and it's where they, they all got redeveloped and built up to the Olympics, but Adam would go there at the early hours on, on, on grey days and take grim photos when it was just all fly tips and total total mess. Yeah. Um, and then we made, in about 2007, a series of artworks, um, uh, that showed this kind of scene of apocalyptic scenes, and yeah. and it was quite inspired by these real real life apocalyptic scenes on Fish Island, um, and uh, and we've just revisited that recently, and Adam spent well, Adam did most of the work, so I was really busy, but doing these really amazing looking artworks, and now we're we're, we're constructing a we've going to present it online because the the gallery is called the black cube and it's it's on fish island and the the, uh, the gallery spaces are built into the uh subterranean storage tanks of an old uh petrol <laughs> p- petrol processing plant sure, um, and the, the land is so toxic that <laughs> the, the the authorities would only allow it to be used for showing art so it's our sort of invented gallery yeah. that we're, you know, saying people can't go there because it's still, you know, it's to, for health and safety reasons, and also it's very difficult to find. Yeah. So, but if people check our website on after Tuesday, there'll, there'll probably be a link to the new stock21.com site where the <laughs> exhibition will be presented, and people can learn about the Black Cube. I love storytelling, and I love the idea of um, the idea that art can be something which is fantastical. Yeah. And when I was at art college, there was always this talk about it's it somehow has to be everything has to be about the truth, and uh, and it was it always seemed people quite po-faced and people dealing with issues and you know kind of trying to you know be very serious about. the work. And at the time, I was really into an author called um, Harry Harry Cruz, and he he wrote a, a biography called A Childhood, and and in it he recounts his tale for it, he, if him getting his first pu- story published in some magazine. He got sent a cheque, and he was so proud. He went to his mum. He's from the deep south in, yeah, uh, yeah. in America, from a very poor, white, trash family, and he goes to his mum, I'm not going to try to do the accident. And he said, Mum, I've got I've been I've got paid for in my stories. I said, what, they're paying you money for those lies? He <laughs> said, they're not lies, they're stories. They're lies. And, and I kind of quite like that. Then. Yeah. But in, in the art world, it seemed that you weren't allowed to have that that relationship with fiction yeah so a lot of what we do and even with coming up with and we'll get back to harry adams come with the name harry adams is i thought it was a bit more like being in a band so when you start a band the uh, the first thing he did was, well, what we called. Yeah, yeah, So when me and Adam decided that we'd stop being STOT 21st E Plan B and would try and grow up, I said, Adam, we've got to do some, you know, I've been watching Billy painting, so I'd really like to do some proper serious painting. And if we do that, we can't be called STOT 21st E Plan B because we've got this legacy <laughs> yeah. of being idiots. So we want, I want to be taken seriously as an artist. So, so <coughs> we thought, well, OK, so what would a serious painter be called? I thought, well it's really. got to be sort of an English name. Yeah. And uh so and also it had to begin with A, so if we're in group shows we'd be at the top of the list. <laughs>
2: yeah. And so and How somehow so somehow
3: we end up Harry was my granddad's name and no. and somehow we ended up with Harry Adams and uh uh we uh, actually we did look at Alexander Adams, but there was a um my middle name's Alexander, but there's already a uh, an Alexander yeah. Adams artist exists. So uh, I, I hope
2: that's not his real name.
3: <laughs> I hope yeah, he had the same. He'd probably, he'd probably completely <laughs> yeah, made savvy up.
2: Yeah, Xavier something.
3: So, so yeah. So we decided we'll, we'll be a collaboration, but we'll work under one name. And when we paint, you know, what we make will be Harry Adams paintings. Perfect. And you know, and the collaboration would work. People would say, well, what do you? How do you work together? And so, well, you know, so we've worked together for so long, and our our egos seem really compatible, working, and. Sometimes we'd both work on the same piece. Sometimes, most often we'd work on separate pieces. But because of the dialogue and some, I'd copy what Adam was doing. Adam copy what I was doing. If he, if we liked what you know, so there'd be this relationship in, in making the work. Just like a duo in music, yeah. Exactly. So it'd be like Lennon McCartney. You know, you, don't, you know, it's like if it, but it's still a Beatles song. Yeah. Whether it's written by uh, Lennon or McCartney, yeah. you get it to the band. You record it; it goes out on the on the LP as a Beatles record, and that was so. We'd, if we decided it was a Harry Adams, it was a Harry Adams, and the identity can yeah. change. You know, the the you know what the band makes can change over time. Yeah. And and when we were in a band, we started off as uh, called Buxom, and then we had a number of lineup changes. It was always the core three members, but then we became the Impossible because we ch- sort of had changed direction a yeah. bit, and we thought well, we need to reflect. You know what, what the, new, the nature of the music is, how yeah. music's changing. So I get, you know, that, that goes on. But within the art world, it's so, so, um, so linked to this romantic ideal of the lone artist in the garret struggling away yeah. that people really struggle with the idea that it could be a collaborative process. It's, and it's to do with this idea of the, the lone genius. Yeah. And I've always been anti genius, I don't believe in genius i believe in I believe in work, you know yeah, i believe in, yeah. in, in working through things and you know and and you know i I believe people have aptitude,
2: yeah, I was going to say some people just find it easier to. Yeah. Um, to do something and get listened to more than yes, others yeah, might. Yeah, and also within music, back
3: when I first got really interested in music, when I was a, a young teen, there was a band called uh, Scraping Fetus Off The Wheel, <laughs> which I was the only person in my school who liked. The, it was,
2: And what were they, new romantic? Uh, it, it was,
3: it, it actually, it sort of did come out of that, it was around that period, yeah. but it was uh, obviously a lot darker, as you can gather yeah, from the name, really dark. And he had this thing. He he was it was a lone guy. His real name was Jim Thurwell. And at the time, you could only find about this stuff by reading the music press and listening to John Peel, mm. um, and then buying the record. And I really, really like. And but he would talk about, you know, he, he put the mute the art or the music before him as a personality. Yeah. Which so he would work under various pseudonyms. So scraping fetus School, fetus art terrorism. And various other fetus monikers, but you never saw photos of him he he said the studio was his instrument, and he'd he'd just worked alone and yeah. played all the instruments and used the studio to create these amazing pieces and I really like that I really like the idea of, I really like the idea of not being visible as the artist that yeah. he that somehow and it's partly, I used to be really, really shy. And I think it partly comes to that. I don't want people looking at me. And Adam's very this, this like we used to have band photos, and, and
2: Adam would always be at the back in the shadows. <laughs> and
3: on stage, he'd find the darkest corner yeah. to,
2: to hide in. Like at the moment, I mentioned that you're in the bunker, mm. and he's in the bunker at the back. Of yeah, the bunker. he's hidden in the room at the back. Yeah. <laughs> Three bunkers So we all have, you
3: know, you, you, I think you always tend to
2: work towards what your nature is. Yeah. So I learned to be loud and funny or mm. to crack jokes, to make people laugh, whether I'm funny or not is a different thing. But trying to do that, trying to be a, a false personality. Yeah, yeah, know. because
3: there's nothing worse than being a shy person who finds it difficult to engage um, with other people, but really wanting the attention. Yeah. And you know, so and I obviously always really wanted the attention. So even when we we're banned, I was not until S G O T twenty first C Plan B did I become the front front person. Then that was very hidden and i did the singing i wrote the words and did the singing f- for that um although i always describe it as being a band with two lead guitars and drums <laughs> um and uh but for the other bands we had a uh this this kind of yeah. this, uh, crazy girl called uh melanie who was our singer and people would say it's it's her band and we we were we were going out we were an item so it was it was our our band but i always felt that i was in charge yeah i would i wanted to be one i was the one in the driving seat organizing everything trying to get everything together and and uh, but she was the uh the personality yeah. she was the front person and likewise working with billy and jimmy and billy you know it's like they, you can't work with with billy unless you allow him to be the front person yeah you know, yeah. and I'm quite happy for for him to be the the out, outward projection of L13, and and he's L3. he's
2: pretty much um, like bulletproof. You know, no matter what gets thrown at him, it does just deflect away. Doesn't yes, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It I mean, doesn't. He, he's he's just away. very
3: self assured and in what he's doing and how he wants to do it, yeah. and uh, is
2: is immovable on that that uh, so L3, singular path. L13 has got a mythical quality about it. I was always intrigued with it for, you know, yeah, I right. see little bits that L13 are doing. In the back of my mind, I just go, that's fucking genius. That's <laughs> fucking genius. When, when, uh, when me and Adam
3: first started doing visual art, as, uh, and actually we're still recording at the time, as STOT 21st e Plan B, there was an article in Bazaar magazine about us. It must have been at the time of an exhibition and a record that we'd made. And the guy writing it, whose name I can't remember right now, he said, "You know, you know, it's like their 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 output swings wildly between uh, genius and unmitigated crap."
2: (laughs) uh, But that's fine. Yeah, and and we we, we,
3: our our response to that was, uh, "Well, you know, it's like genius, unmitigated crap. We don't know which is which. (laughs) You know, we we, maybe the unmitigated crap is the genius bit. I don't know. So, uh, and uh, and." I've always had that relationship. where it was Not to be judgmental about ours or anybody
2: else's work. Yeah, you do find with the genre of not giving a fuck. There's so many people who work really hard to try and make it look like they don't give a fuck, mm. and there is a lot of people who just don't give a fuck, and then ones yeah. really shine out. Yeah, and and going back to Billy, and
3: that's what he, the the most singular thing about him that stands apart from nearly any other artist I know is that he has a an ability to walk away from what he's done yeah. so he loves to make a painting and he loves making the painting but very very rarely goes back to it so he'll do a painting in a day but he'll very rarely go back and say, what oh, if I change that it'd be so much better if I did change that or I'm not that happy with that bit he doesn't care yeah. he's, he said I've done my bit it's it exists I'm more interested in doing another one and I, and I've never met another artist who can it's do beautiful.
2: do that so uh, successfully and mean it. And I mean it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's many many a, an artist may do that. Yeah, just to make a statement. Yeah. whereas that's just him, yeah. isn't it? And you know, and I you know and I always try. I mean, with, with Adam, when we were
3: doing more painting, Adam is complete opposite. And, and I say, <laughs> Adam, that's done. Leave it and then the next second what have you done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I couldn't leave it. I why
2: couldn't is, leave it. Why is it orange?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then of course you take photos in you know, it and so and you'd look back at how it was before you painted it. And I've done it myself you know so I can't leave it like that. Yeah. Then you, you paint over it or you do something different then you find the photo of it. So, why did I change it? it was brilliant before. This is exactly the conversation I had yesterday with yeah. someone and as well yeah artists should just learn to let it go you know yeah. to, you know just just stop worrying about it. As long as it's in the studio, it's at risk.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and we will. Yeah, it's uh, in arm's Yeah, room.
3: and you know, some, my daughter's. She wants some of the paintings that we made. A few, we did all these the, sort of religious scenes, and she's really into all that imagery at the moment. And she found some paintings that she really liked of us. I said, "Well, can we have one of those in our house?" Yeah, and I said, "Yeah, if I can find it." And I've had a good search, and I think we've painted over it. You know, it's. Really. Uh, and we will. Me and Adam would occasionally drag stuff out and say because we're running out of space to store yeah, it. and yeah. So well. Let's paint over these ones, yeah. and uh, and yeah, so nothing's safe. Would you not paint studio.
2: on the back of, on the reverse? So it's a double, no, a double no, artwork. No,
3: just... and, uh, Bill, Bill is he used to work on on wooden boards, and uh, there are loads that he did, which he's painted front and back.
2: Um. Did you ever art in the home growing up?
3: Yeah, my parents were um, both from working class backgrounds, uh, but and where we, was this? So my well actually both were born in manchester my both my grand my my uh both my granddads were from manchester uh on my mum's side he was brought up in the in the slums of manchester became uh, he was a conscientious objector during the second world war then went to work on the land and ended up being a bricklayer moving south where he met um interestingly met uh, my grandmother at a uh, communist party meeting and she was from a Jewish... She was actually comes from uh, Adams Neck of the Wood in uh, Mile End. Okay. Uh, and uh, they were kind of from Polish Jewish heritage. They'd come over. He, my great-great-grandfather had been a cav- in the Polish cavalry, and they came over at the time of the Russian-Japanese War. Yeah. So, um, so my parents also met. My, my dad was treasurer of the Uncommunist League, so they met through politics. Wow. Uh, when my dad had moved south to get a job, and uh, and he, he met my mum at some some meeting, they you know it was in the 60s, but they hated rock, they, they considered rock and roll American decadence. Yeah. Um, and they my dad loved classical music, uh, very reactionary and very conservative in many many yeah. ways. So as I when I was growing up, they were they, and I think it's partly because I come from a working class family. My my and my my dad's my mum's side, he was, uh, he, you know, one of these guys, he was really keen on education. He self educated himself. He learned to play the classical guitar and he painted, and, you know, and, uh, and I think this kind of rubbed off on my mum. My so I'm sort of first generation middle class, and I grew up, they were very keen on culture. So they would start off with them having prints. And I, was, when I remember from being a kid having a print of Guernica on the wall wow. which would again would have suited their politics and yeah, yeah. and uh and i was i was obsessed with this weird painting that was always in the kitchen when i was they a still kid got it? they've got a version they've they replaced it it got because it was in the kitchen it started uh, yeah, walking course, yeah, yeah. but they've still got a nice. uh a print of that in the kitchen yeah and uh and then my mum she went to teacher's training course she started painting through that and she really developed this love of nice. painting kind of she was you know painting and she always encouraged us to be creative yeah
2: um after listening to the story of your parents and their personalities that just explains why we're sitting here in a bunker talking about what we're talking yeah, about yeah well,
3: exactly uh, you know it's like the uh the, the, the you know kind of the with that kind of political legacy yeah. also because my parents were sort of reactionary and conservative yeah so my dad hated all the uh the the, the rock music that I yeah. listened to but you know, and I was in full-fledged rebellion. So yeah, any, anything to to displease yeah. my my dad was a bonus, as far as I was concerned. Yeah,
2: well, e- either the same or the opposite yeah. is a reaction. To, yeah, yeah. To, um, to your childhood. And yeah,
3: so I was born. And but they they did have this kind of very strong moral, political, ethical stance in life, which I I can and I really really respected my my. My granddad, my mum's side, particularly with the, the, uh, the pacifism and the fact yeah. that he was... And he, he wouldn't even play uh, games. He hated competitive games. Oh, okay. He said, it's just, it's just ritualised warfare. He'd, and he was, he was half deaf. He had a, an accident with a tractor when he was working on the land. And, uh, and so he'd just sit off by himself in the corner and listen to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> we'd play Risk and, and you know... Kind so of...
2: how was he dealing with you when you played up as a child? Well, with my, his outlook
3: but well, my dad. Yeah. Well my, he was always a bit he was a real workaholic which is another thing I've I've inherited yeah. of him. So he wasn't home very often. Okay. My mum was a stay-at-home mum and again that was a real thing for him. And wow. uh, and I guess they were like even though they they started off as communists they were like yuppies really. They were yeah. up, upwardly mobile. They wanted yeah. to become middle class, you know. It was very Abigail's party, you know, they had the yeah, yeah. The, the the sets of Shakespeare and Dickens yeah. to show that they were cultured. Super. Um And he wasn't around very much. He was always working. And it was always, you know, wait till your dad gets home. So he was like the voice of authority waiting to... You waiting for him to come home so he could could tell you
2: off. It's still a positive thing in life, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But, again, he was, you know... Because, again, his his dad was a joiner and, you know, and and run a... uh, Actually, my parents argued. My dad says he's from a working-class family. But my mum says he's not because his dad actually ran his own business... Uh, d- d- respinning uh, the mules in the in the the cotton mills, and, yeah, yeah. and he said he, he 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 was self-employed. He wasn't working class, yeah. you know. That's a big difference. <laughs> um, but my mum sounds really posh. It was very, yeah. you know, it's like you know, my my granddad was from had a really broad Lancashire, accent. Mm-hmm. my uh, my grandma had you know, real London Cockney accent, and she, and she speaks like the Queen, <laughs> and she was they were raised, she was raised in, yeah. uh, in in Sussex, you know. I think again, the idea of getting uh, bettering yourself was to adopt all these. Uh, these attributes that you associate with being being better off or being of and a that's higher class it's
2: turned around now, hasn't it? Yeah. People yeah. try to dumb their middle Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I
3: it's imagine it's like having parents who are coming from working class background, and all my relatives are in that area, but I was sent to elocution lessons and I was brought up to sound posh. Wow. So I was bullied at school for being posh. <laughs> so that's not fair. Even, yeah. And I ended up going to a boarding school. And the first thing, I was bullied more there for sounding posh. And so even I've spent a lot of time trying to dampen down, you know, that side of my accent, trying to sound a little bit more, bit more London. I've been in, you know, I lived in London for 20 years, hanging out with
2: Adam, trying to sound more (laughs) like him. Well, I I spoke to an artist a little while ago, a guy called Opaque, like an urban artist. He had a similar background. His mum and dad were from East London, working class ended up owning a few high street galleries, wanted to better themselves and the the chain that they're creating, so sent him off to a private school. And uh, just like you said, he got bullied there for being a bit of a an oik, you know, and, and his other friends started bullying him because he was going to this posh school. And yeah. he was in this sort of like limbo area of not knowing where he was as a child. Yeah,
3: yeah. About as it turned out, the, the boarding school I went to, it was this place called Abbotsdam, and it had been started at the turn of the 20th century when there were a lot of radical ideas around what education should be and it had a farm on the school and they did a lot of stuff like climbing you know mountain climbing and outward stuff and also really big on the on art stuff and I was really into animals at that point I wasn't sure I was going to get be involved with art or animals I really like, I like the fact they had a farm there, yeah. and my dad called it a school for middle class dropouts. And they were, they were very, uh, you know, they were they were really light on rules, and you know, yeah. it, was, it was you know, well considered progressive. Brilliant. Um, whereas my brother, my brother went to Repton, which was like a yeah, proper yeah, yeah. Pu- proper public school. Yeah. And my, my sister, well, my sister ended up coming to my school, but she went to an all girls school in Bexhill, which was very Edwardian. And it's weird that we all decided to go to separate schools. And what do your siblings do now? Uh, my sister's a teacher working with little children, and my brother's an engineer. He's actually interesting, my, my brother's complete opposite me. My dad was the first in his family to, to go to university, um, and he went to Leeds University and studied um, uh, chemical engineering. And my brother, he was he was a bit of an odd kid. He was bullied quite badly at school, and he was a bit of a, an odd an oddball. And uh, he was desperate for my to get approval from my dad the whole time. And he ended up going to Leeds University and studying chemical engineering, oh. which I thought that is just too weird. Yeah, um, and still that he still didn't get my dad's approval. So, <laughs>
2: so, your first bowl was quite high. There.
3: Yeah, well, my dad just. He, well, actually, this happened, happened. My parents actually came to a private view of us. We did a. Me and Adam did a, a Harry Adams show in this gallery called Airspace in Stoke-on-Trent. It's a great little. It's an artist-run space um, run by this guy called uh, Glenn, whose surname I forget right now. And he's. Uh, and it's just really. Um, healthily run community gallery yeah, space yeah. and you know we, we like working with, with Glenn up there and we did this exhibition and my parents came to the opening and they came all the way up to Stoke and stayed wow. in local and, and, and they came along and they were uh, talking to, to Glenn the director of the gallery and he said oh you must be very proud of Steve and, uh, you know, and I was standing there and they went, oh, and, <laughs> and apparently, so, you're going to tell me later, so they came up to my mum came up to me and said, so, we are proud, we just don't like to say anything in front of them." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, uh, and I, I also remember when we were in a band, where we, we got a single of the week in Melody Maker. From nice. the thing we brought out. And for some reason it was, there must have been some kind of family gathering. And uh, and it was quite shortly after after we'd uh, got this, you know. And so I, my my sister my sister was really pleased for us. She said, Dad, you know, aren't you proud of Steve? has got it? You said, No. So why was impressed with that? <laughs> yeah, what more do you want? Yeah, from like, me? yeah I think he said something. He like, said, so What? They take turns to get that.
2: Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So yeah, so but you know it has made me try very hard. But you know, like I said, I was more into you know, rebelling and doing yeah. things that I, I didn't need approval for. And I think, and I think, and it's something that um, I'm very aware that, that Billy had a very kind of difficult childhood. Yeah. And and again, his brother was always trying to seek approval of his dad, and Billy had decided that he wasn't going to try and do that. And I think there is something about self acknowledgement. You know, yeah. so I'm doing what I want to do in the way that I want to do it, and that is my my aim yeah. uh, you know I'm, I'm not too interested and that is in,
2: breaking the shackles isn't yeah it?
3: and i'm not into I do, you know it's nice when people when i get a pat on the head you know yeah. but i don't need it you know it's it's i'm not hungry for for that yeah i'm hungry for doing what i think i should be doing and
2: and doing it in the way that i think it should be done perfect and so and that's how i see l13 is that what you just said there there you go i'm gonna stop it there As I mentioned in the intro, this episode was just over an hour and a half long, so I wanted to divide it into two just to make it that little bit easier to digest. The second half will be out in a couple of days, although if you're a Patreon supporter, as I said in the intro, shoot over to the Patreon page and the second half is sitting there waiting for you. Either way, I'll see you in part two. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page, and without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear, and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, you'll find a link tree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, ciao art.
1: Glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just ninety-five bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block one hundred percent of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways too. Go to WarbyParker.com/covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com/covered.
0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.